Welcome to DHC Beechcroft's Lawcast. My name is Hans Allnut and a partner and lead of our cyber and data team at DHC Beechcroft. In this edition of our podcast, I'm going to be joined by Ellie Ludlam, who's a senior associate in our team, and we're going to look at how to be ready for a cyber crisis. As a team, we respond to hundreds of data breaches and cyber incidents a year. We get to see a wide variety of organizational responses to cyber incidents and breaches. We can see how organizations can be caught unawares by the crisis that unfolds. We thought it'd be useful to discuss on this podcast some of the things that we've seen and give our listeners the benefit of insight as to good practice and the pitfalls that can be avoided. So starting off when facing a cyber crisis is to be prepared for one. Of all the breaches that we've handled over the years, it's pretty clear that organisations that have prepared for the uh, potentially inevitable cyber crisis, uh, those are the organisations that respond the best to the incidents that unfold. Ellie, when you're trying to advise a client in preparing for a cyber crisis, what sort of things do they need to start thinking about? I think one of the key things that an organisation should think about is to have pre-identified the internal stakeholders who will be responsible for responding to a breach situation. There will be clear reporting lines amongst the key group and everyone will know what their own function is within that group. I recently worked on a matter where an organisation had no breach response plan in place and their systems were brought down by a threat actor. And unfortunately, there was no way for the key personnel to communicate initially. And it wasn't until personal email accounts and mobile numbers, etc., were exchanged and collated that we could formulate a working group to respond to the incident. Inevitably, this slowed the response down and all at a time where actually time was firmly of the essence. So no matter what size of organisation, it puts the business at a significant advantage if the key internal stakeholders have been identified and understand what is expected of them if they're faced with an incident. I think that's really key, actually, and often when uh, clients prepare breach response plans, uh, they're very good at recording uh, structures and things in paper, but often they fall foul of the first hurdle of how do you actually communicate if you're subject to a ransomware incident, for example, you don't have access to your systems. Um, So when you're planning out who your internal stakeholders are, who you need to be around the table, also think about how you're going to communicate to bring those people around the table. And just as you look at internal uh, stakeholders, Um, You also need to think about who your external support will be. That might be your incumbent uh, MSPs or IT providers, but actually there's a wide variety of additional services and uh, expert advisors you might need to bring in, be that legal, uh, be that forensic support, uh, customer notification services, PR advice, and particularly insurance and insurance brokers uh, need to be brought into the fold following a cyber crisis and informed. I think that's right, Hans. And it's also really important to understand the cross-jurisdictional elements if you're an international organisation. We've had incidents where the key stakeholders are based in the US, the UK and Australia, for example, which presents challenges when you're setting up instant response calls given the various time zones. It obviously can't always be helped that key personnel reside in various jurisdictions globally, given the international nature of many of the businesses we assist. Again, much of this comes down to preparedness and simply having thought through the issues. Where is the core team based? What are the relevant time zones? Is the response going to be local? 
For example, is the team going to be limited to personnel in the local jurisdiction, or does it need to include members of the board who are based abroad? Alternatively, what happens if there is a cross-border issue and servers around the world are impacted, as can often be the case? These are all the sorts of things that we hope organisations will start to think about. And it's interesting in discussing this with you, the number of reasons we've just talked about, the internal stakeholders, external stakeholders, trying to coordinate on a cross-jurisdictional basis. We haven't actually done anything in terms of responding or, or, or containing or assessing the breach. Uh, these are all the aspects to just to get across the start line of uh, dealing with a breach. Of course, coordinating all those internal and external stakeholders across jurisdictions and timelines, you've also got to be careful not to over-communicate. Um, in the middle of a crisis, you've got to be controlled. And a critical concern in today's uh, environment is the increased regulatory scrutiny and potential compensation claims and class actions that might follow from an incident. So it's important to think about how you control those communications, what's going out, those initial stages, and uh, also uh, legal privilege. Uh, and legal privilege around communications prevents any further disclosure at some later stage uh, if the communications are subject to legal privilege. So enables you to communicate freely. And in terms of any planning for a breach, it's important to educate uh, an organization around concepts of legal privilege um, so that people don't fall foul of that. So what they think might be a privileged communication is in fact uh, not privileged and might have to later be uh, disclosed either to a regulator or a uh, claimant. Obviously, we've covered a lot of ground before the organisation has even got across the start line. And how you craft your data breach response plan is very important. Um, you can awfully, you can easily turn a breach response plan into 50 pages, um, but equally, uh, a simple one-page plan might be uh, effective. What, what are some of the traps that you've seen when writing breach response plans, Ellie? I think there's a lot to think about when preparing for a breach. So it almost goes without saying that it's important to have everything written in a plan, um, which people have actually read and have used to identify their own internal function. But you're right, it is possible to overcomplicate it. It's so important to ensure that it isn't just a technical response plan that covers IT only and includes the wider organisational response that might come into play depending on the nature of the incident itself. There's also the need to identify and agree reporting thresholds. Not every breach needs to be reported to the board, and nor will it be significant enough to merit such a report. However, there will be a tipping point for when the board must be told. And in the same way that the regulators guard against over-notification of data subjects, there is, of course, a risk of over-notifying the board. So not over-complicating the plan is really important. But identifying the threshold for reporting to the board in advance is key. It's also useful to know who will write or present such reports to the board. So just thinking through the issues. Another key point is to keep the plan under review. It shouldn't just be consigned to a shelf once written, simply to gather dust. The risk of doing that is that internal personnel will change, processes are amended, and control over the response is then hampered as the plan ends up being updated in the midst of a ransomware incident, for example. As with any key process for a business, it should be a live working document that's reviewed, refreshed and amended whenever necessary. The very best response I've seen by an organisation to a significant ransomware incident was one where a leader of the response team had been appointed in advance, representatives from all key functions of the business were included, contact details had been identified and shared, and everyone knew what was expected of them. 
Every call we attended was calm, decisive and collegiate. And there wasn't a single incident of members of the response team losing their call. They had a plan that had been refreshed regularly and it really, really showed. And Ellie, I think it's also fair to say that those organisations that uh, you speak, you've given an example there, who very well prepared, is the rehearsal aspect of it. Um, take your point around not getting a plan and then putting it on the shelf just to gather dust. But if you've got a clear plan, it's all well and good. But if you haven't rehearsed it, uh, then people are ultimately seeing the plan for the first time. So just as you review your plan, it needs to be regularly practiced, almost like a fire drill. Um, everyone knows that there's a fire drill or process, um, but you have new joiners and leavers. And it's not something that you do once and never do a fire drill um, for another you know, five or six years. It's something that you do each year. And that's critical, I think. And it really shows uh, when we've responded to breaches, those organisations and clients that have a plan and have rehearsed it. So we've covered a variety of actions that should be in a data breach response plan, identifying the internal stakeholders, the external stakeholders, how you're going to communicate and how you're going to review your plan. The substance of the response obviously will, re will vary between organisation to organisation and it also vary depending on what sort of crisis. If you're facing a breach or cyber incident, you might want to include actions including assessing the type of systems or data that have been affected, notifying data subjects, notifying regulators, communicating with the press, and other legal aspects that might be required. It's important in a cyber and data breach plan not to get too bogged down in the detail. You do not want a 14-page technical instant response plan where servers are switched on and off and brought back to life. A good organisational plan keeps it high level so that those internal and external stakeholders that you have collated and collected around the table are empowered to carry out those actions and key decisions. I think that's right, Hans. And I think the other key is for um, thought to have been given to the types of decisions that might have to be made in the event of a breach. These don't necessarily have to sit as a written part of the plan, but it is a useful part of the planning process. So, for example, is a board minded to pay a ransom? Often an organisation will have as a point of principle a decision that they're not willing to engage with threat actors and pay ransoms. And it's quite useful to have thought that through before the ransom demand lands on someone's desk, for example. So just trying to preempt the types of issues, think them through and work out which of those points need to go into a plan will make quite a big difference to that organisation's response to a cyber incident. And when an organisation goes through this process and thinks through its plan, as we have done on this podcast, certain things will leap out that actually you might be able to prepare in advance uh, such as a legal assessment around data, a draft, media communication, a data subject notification form, lots of documents that might be helpful in the heat of the moment that an organisation can point to. It's important not to be a slave to these documents. Every, every breach is going to be different, but it can be helpful to collate those. And what has actually happened in the course of us discussing this is that we have specified the type of breach response plan that an organisation might require, a set of documents that an organisation might need to have to hand, contact details for all its 
uh, internal and external stakeholders. I'd like to thank Ellie for joining me today on the podcast to discuss her experience of dealing with crisis and breach response planning. If you'd like to know more about our cyber and data risk practice, please visit our website.